0: This episode is brought to you by State Farm. Leaving out the avocado in your salad to save money is not good for morale or your fiber intake. Luckily, State Farm knows the value of the little things. It's why they've got options like insuring your home and ride with surprisingly great rates on both. Because you shouldn't have to give up what you love for great insurance. For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, June the seventh. Ian Cameron, Alex B. Smith. Uh, we've got Game Four, Eastern Conference Final tonight. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning looking to even up the series against the New York Rangers. A pivotal Game Four. It's the proverbial swing series, swing game, I should say, in the series. Either three-one Rangers or two-two, and man, there's a big difference between both of those. So it is a very important game for tonight, uh, and we'll break that down in just a second. We'll also look back at last night uh, as the Colorado Avalanche complete the four-game sweep over the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Of course, we were on the air during that game last night on the BetCast, and we thank everybody for joining us and for tuning in uh, on the BetCast. We have one more BetCast still to go here in the conference finals, and that will be Thursday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time for Game 5. Uh, of the Eastern Conference Final. Of course, we know there will be one uh, between the uh, Rangers and the Lightning back to Madison Square Garden on uh, Thursday night. Uh, Joe Madden, by the way, who I did a podcast with earlier today, will be joining us on the BetCast uh, Thursday night. So uh, that's pretty cool, uh, good stuff. And also on our daily show, she'll be a guest uh, a week from this Thursday. So June the 16th, she will be uh, on the show with us. So uh, Joe Madden, who uh, loves hockey, uh, bets hockey, is doing actually very well with free picks as well. If you watch her Twitter, Account these days doing well. So that's all coming up. So we'll get to the recap of last night. We'll get to obviously game four in just a second. But I do want to talk about for at least a little bit the big news last night and the firing of Bruce Cassidy uh, as head coach of the Boston Bruins, which took me completely by surprise. Um, I'll tell you what right away. My first thought was this guy has made the playoffs every year as head coach of the Boston Bruins. And apparently the reward you get for that is a pink slip. Seriously. I mean, my goodness, you make the playoffs every year under Bruce Cassidy. And your reward for that is you're looking for work somewhere else. I mean, that is just it. To me, this is shocking. This this really is. This is almost on that Barry Trotz level when he got canned by the New York Islanders that, wow, I didn't I didn't think they'd go in this direction. Yet when I really stepped back and really looked at things clearly. I'm actually not as shocked he got fired because of the way Boston conducted themselves from the front office in terms of after they got knocked out by Carolina. They didn't say a peep for weeks after getting knocked out. Actually, Neely had one brief press conference, and he was very, very noncommittal to anything. And that's the only thing he said after they got eliminated by Carolina. And right away, I'm like, man, this front office is evaluating making serious changes. There's no question about that. And then we didn't hear anything for weeks from Neely, from Don Sweeney, the GM, Cam Neely, the team president. Nothing, of course, from the owner. He usually doesn't say much anyway. Jeremy Jacobs usually lets his uh, president and his GM do the talking. Uh, but nevertheless, we heard nothing from anybody for weeks. And I'm like, you know what? This is ominous. This is this. This has that feel that they're going to do something. They're going to make a trade, and maybe they're going to fire Cassidy. And I didn't want to believe it because I didn't think this man deserved to be losing his job last night. But sure enough, they went in that direction. And the way they did it, you dropping it, at, you dropping the decision at 7 p.m. Eastern time on a Monday night, one hour before a Stanley Cup uh, playoff game is about to begin in the conference finals. So the timing was, you know, very odd, very bizarre. I didn't like it. Why don't you, if you know you're going to do it earlier in the day, why don't you say at 11 a.m. Eastern, in the middle of the day, why, why the fuck are you dropping this on everybody an hour before a Stanley Cup playoff game? So you know that the timing of it wasn't very good. And if you look at all the things that the Boston Bruins need to improve on, and obviously improvement is needed when you get knocked out in the first round and you have aspirations of contending every year, there are so many things up the list on what needs to get better with the Boston Bruins way ahead of coaching. I mean that that to me is what stands out to me. Is Bruce Cassidy at fault for not having anybody offensively that you can count on game in and game out outside of Bergeron, Marchand and Posternock? Is that Bruce Cassidy's fault? We're really gonna blame him for that now? Are we really gonna blame him for the fact that you didn't insulate this blue line after Chara moved on, after Tory Krug went to the St. Louis Blues? Are you really gonna put that at the feet of Bruce Cassidy now? that that's his problem that's his fault that the blue line didn't have the quality depth that they've had in years past that maybe you put a little too much stock in Matt Grizzlick and Brandon Carlo being absolutely you know behemoth defensemen big time defensemen when clearly they're not ready to play at that level yet that's Bruce Cassidy's fault what about getting them some depth what about getting them some more forwards that I can count on offensively instead of just you know Taylor Hall every now and then and Charlie Coyle once in a blue moon, and Eric Howler will chip in, you know, here and there, sporadically. Why didn't the Ross? Why didn't the GM Don Sweeney and Neely, who I think, I think Don Sweeney and him, they're like it's like the puppet master and the puppet. You know, it's basically you know, dance puppet dance, do what I say. D- you know, even if you don't agree with it, we're 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 getting rid of Cassidy. That it is what it is. It's, it's a really bad dynamic here. I didn't think Boston had a dysfunctional front office until last night. Now I know they have a dysfunctional front office. And the way they've conducted this uh, act of, of, of firing Bruce Cassidy is absolutely awful, in my opinion, because there's way more issues on this hockey club. You're going to blame Bruce Cassidy all of a sudden for being thrust into a situation where Tuka Rask suddenly retires and you've got to rely on an inconsistent Linus Allmark and a young kid and Jeremy Swayman in that all year? I mean, that, you know, that we're going to put uh, on the blame of uh, Bruce Cassidy. We're going to blame him for that now. I mean, it's just one thing after another. I didn't like it. And who, by the way, and this is the worst part of it, who the fuck running a major company or business allows a guy to, let's say you're in an office, you're working on a collaborative team and you've got assignments that you have to do every day for your boss and complete the work. What if you allow the leader of that team to say, you know, or someone tells the leader of the team, the boss does, you got to get rid of this one guy, you know, or you got to make a change with your staff and, and get rid of someone and shake things up because our performance level as a team needs to be better. And you allow the leader of the team in the office space to get rid of an assistant or get rid of someone on the team. And then you turn around two, three weeks later and you get rid of the team leader and fire him. That's essentially what the Bruins did here. They said to Bruce Cassidy, you got to get rid of one of your assistants here. And Bruce Cassidy did that. Got ri- fired as assistant coach. And then Sweeney and Neely turn around and fire Bruce Cassidy a-, a couple of weeks later. Who does that? What kind of business is that? To, 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 how do you run shit like that if you're the Boston Bruins? You say to Cassidy, you know what? You got to get rid of one of your assistants. You need to shake up your coaching staff a little bit. When you're telling them that, you're basically saying, you know what, you're coming back next year, but you got to make changes. And then they turn around 2 weeks later and they fire Bruce Cassidy. That's an absolute disgrace. I'm sorry. That is I got to call that out for the way I see it. That's terrible to to run your team that way and to treat human beings like that. It's terrible. And then I got to hear this ridiculous uh, crocodile tears quote from Sweeney, this decision was extremely difficult. Don't make the decision then. Don't make the decision if it's that difficult. It wasn't even warranted, for fuck's sakes. You've got more issues with this hockey team than the head coach of the team. It's absolutely awful. Very angry. The more I think about it, you can tell the more angry I get. Very upset. And Bruce Cassidy is is going to be the benefactor of this. Get out of this situation. He's going to be an in-demand head coach. You better believe it. He won't be a free agent for very long. The one thing I will credit the Bruins for is they did it now and didn't wait till the season where, you know, he's got a chance now to look for another job. He's not a lame duck coach because I believe his contract, uh, Bruce Cassidy, was set to expire after next season. So it's a situation where now, guess what? He doesn't have to worry about a lame duck season with what looks like it's going to be a down, uh, you know, declining Boston Bruins team next season. Uh, And uh, and so that's the one thing they did. They at least allowed him to part ways, let Bruce find a new work somewhere else and a new home. So that's the one good thing about it. But the decision to get rid of him is unfathomable. If you look at Bruins Twitter uh, online, they can't believe it. They're shocked. They, they're they flabbergasted, just like we all are. Like, you think this is the number one problem with the Boston Bruins right now is the head coaching of Bruce Cassidy? I mean, you must be kidding me. You must be shitting me. You must be mental if you really believe that. And unfortunately, the Boston Bruins brass, whether it's Neely, whether it's Sweeney, whether it's the both of them, they believe that somehow. Uh, and unfortunately, a good head coach is now looking for work, but he will not be uh, looking for work, in my opinion, for very long. Alex, uh, what did you think of the uh, bombshell last year? Yeah, night?
1: like I said, I was, I was stunned, just like everybody else. And I mentioned in our, our little chat on Twitter, I said, What happened? Because the way that this, like I said, the timing and just this the overall move in itself lends itself to is there something else we don't know? Is there something that's going to come out soon? Uh, you know, we've seen coaches get moved for for different reasons like that over the last couple of seasons. Uh, you know, the first the move comes without much uh, notice or, like I said, you know, you uh, know, intention, and then all of a sudden something else comes out. So that's the only thing that I could even think about. Like, other than that, it's like this Boston team. We were on here, you know, months ago, and I said this team, especially the way that they exited out of the playoffs last year, I'm like they may be a team that's on the fringe. They're going to be a wild card team, probably not even make the playoffs. That was my 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 thought. I had the point total under. They turn around, win 51 games, get 107 points, uh, you know, and I, they exceeded expectations, at least in my eyes, and I think probably in a lot of other people's as well. Uh, like I said, despite having the injuries, despite having the shaky goaltending tandem, uh, they still were, were, you know, a, a quality team in the regular season and, and seemed like they could have made some noise in the postseason. So for this move to happen is just is just really shocking. Like I said, he's a, he's, a, he's a really good coach, brought the team to the playoffs in, in you know, six straight seasons. And for it to happen this way, like you said, there's, there's clearly some dysfunction and some issues in the front office with the Bruins. But like I said, it, my, my initial reaction was that, okay, there's gotta be something else behind this that we don't know about because it just didn't seem, it just didn't make sense at all. And then when you mentioned about how Boston kind of closed out uh, the season, you know, said, didn't really mention anything and, you know, kind of was, was you know, pretty ho home in their, in their exit, uh, in, you know, interviews and exit, uh, you know, press conferences. So it was just, it was just very odd. So like I said, you know, he'll land on his feet and get a job somewhere. I'm hoping it'll be the West side of Chicago. I'd love to see him. It's the Hawks were the team that, uh, you know, not only drafted him uh, way back when, but he also was an assistant there during the the dark ages. Uh, obviously you can't take that with, uh, you know, any kind of super credence because he has definitely elevated his game as a coach uh, at all levels since, uh, you know, the, the early and mid 2000s. So, Uh, I think that would be a great fit for him personally, but uh, it's just, it's just odd. It's just really odd. And like I said, it's not a good look for the Bruins organization, especially when you look at, you know, we talked about this last year with, with Vegas and how they removed the players and the whole flurry trade, you know, you like, you know, you shun yourself sometimes from potential free agents coming in because they don't want to deal with that same kind of situation. Well, here's Boston. You know, what coaches really want to try to jump into the situation if there's if there's a lot of turmoil and you got injuries you know, heading into the beginning of next season? They're more than likely going to miss the playoffs in my eyes next year. I I think there's going to be a huge shift around in that Atlantic division. And I think they're going to be closer to the bottom than the top next year. So, you know, you're not really doing yourself any favors if you're the, the, you know, Neely and Sweeney to try to build things up for the future, the the way you're, you're going about business.
0: By the way, Patrice Bergeron, I don't want to say he's retiring for sure now, but uh, I think he is. It certainly, as far as I'm concerned, he ain't coming back to Boston. But I think he's probably going to retire. I I doubt he's going to play somewhere else. I think then Jimmy seemed to think all along that he's going to be retiring. Jimmy, by the way, is just working his tail off, especially now with this story breaking, and he's he, he's, he's, he's had some burnout as well the last few weeks. He's really been pounding the pavement, so to speak. That's why he hasn't been on much lately, and we'll probably only be on a few couple of times more, maybe dur- the rest of the season. But he's just been working his tail off. So uh, we were as, shout out to Jimmy Murphy for doing that. Uh, here but uh, yeah definitely he is he's right in line with us that he was stunned by this and he doesn't agree with it a lot of if you look at anybody on the Bruins Twitter uh they're they're not thrilled at all by this uh, decision and Bruce Cassidy you're right I think with the Blackhawks it's a good fit Uh, definitely it would be nice to see them uh, maybe target him as their head coach we'll see if that uh, is the case but there's gonna be other teams interested there's a lot of vacancies Winnipeg Vegas other places uh, looking for head coaches as well uh, that are definitely going to be interested uh, in Bruce Cassidy. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, how that goes. And uh, as the uh, coaching carousel uh, definitely uh, is on uh, going into the offseason for sure. And, uh, you know, the one th- good thing for Cassidy is look, they were going to fire him midseason next year anyway, because I think they would have gotten off to a bad start. And they start the year with no Brad Marchand, no Matt Grizzlik, no Charlie McAvoy. They're going to start the year out and for a significant part of the season. Like they're going to miss time. I think all of them are going to miss a month minimum, maybe even two, you know, to begin the season. So they're already behind the eight ball, October, November. It's going to be a rough first couple months. And if they had gotten off to a slow start, they probably would have fired him mid season anyway. And, you know, blame Cassidy, make him the fall guy, you know, you know, like, like they do everything else. Apparently let's blame him. So at least now Alex firing him Now the one positive about it, is that Bruce now has a full off season ahead to evaluate and explore his options and his next home to allow himself to be interviewed by a bunch of teams for a head coaching spot. And that's the one good thing about this is at least puts Bruce in a situation where he's going to be able to find work as early as the start of next season. That's, that's the one good thing about it.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and that's the thing, like I said, and and with the many vacancies that are, that are out and, and, you know, teams obviously going to scramble to, Get things, you know, loaded up. We got you know drafts coming up and different things. So it, yeah, he'll he'll definitely find a spot sooner than later. I, I wouldn't be shocked if it's before the, the, the finals end that, that we hear about him, you know, uh going somewhere and you know, of course things will be made official after.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see what uh, we'll definitely keep you updated on uh, that situation as the uh, weeks uh, unfold. Uh, but uh, definitely a stunner last night with uh, the firing for the Boston Bruins of head coach Bruce uh, Cassidy. Uh, all right, last night we will uh, just going to be very brief with the recap of the Avs Oilers game since we did talk about it at the end last night. But really, all you can say is the better team won. Right, the better team won. The deeper team won. Uh, who had the better four lines of forward depth, Colorado? Who had the much better six on defense, Colorado? Uh, there's no denying that whatsoever. I mean, you stack up a uh, hobbled Darnell nurse, who's by far the best defenseman the Oilers have, and he wasn't even close to a hundred percent. And I got, and I'll get to that in a second, just the absolute guts and the warrior mentality of both him and Leon Dreisaitl, uh, just absolutely remarkable to play through what they both did. Uh, and obviously when it comes to, uh, Colorado though, you know, they were healthier, really they missed Cadre and, 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 uh gerard those were their two injuries but they still have so much depth they can overcome that i mean and you look at taves mccarr jack johnson josh manson bowen byram and eric johnson that is just such a significantly better and deeper blue line than edmonton with a less than 100 percent darnell nurse with cody cc who's been bounced around from team to team barry and bouchard are offensive minded but defensive liabilities at times duncan keith best days behind him. Uh, you go on and uh, Brett Kulak, just a depth defenseman. Who's okay. You know, that could not compete with Colorado's blue line. Let's call them mean Simple as that. It it could not compete with Colorado's blue line. That's six for Edmonton against Colorado's six on the blue line. Not even close. uh, They were in this series. And I can't say enough about Kale McCarr. I mean, everyone will talk McKinnon and he was great too. Uh, McDavid, kind of a hit-or-miss series for him. Dreisaitl, incredible that he had, I think, four points last night playing on one leg, essentially. You talk about absolute warrior he was. But Kale McCarr, if he wasn't already the spectacular defenseman people thought he was going into this series, people now know he is just unbelievable, this guy. Unbelievable. Five points last night, but it's not so much the offense and the skating ability and jumping into the play and great passing ability and a great shot. You know, he's got everything and all the tools offensively. We knew that already. How about the defensive job he did in this series? How about several times McDavid is, you know, coming down the wing, trying to challenge Cale McCarr one-on-one, and McCarr just swats the puck away from him like, a, like you're swatting a fly out of your face. That's what happened throughout this series. His defensive ability, I think, has improved by leaps and bounds, Cale McCarr. And it was on full display for everybody. Uh, here in the Western Conference final, just how good he was defensively as well. Uh, and it was a complete series for him. No question about that. Big ups to Pavel Fransos, you know, who played terrific in the absence of Darcy Kemper, who lost injury in game one. Fransos had to come in. He did finally look a little bit human uh, last night. No question about that. Uh, but still, overall for the series, he was very, very good. Uh, for the uh, Colorado Avalanche, and he outplayed Mike Smith. And Mike Smith, I don't – this isn't a Mike Smith issue, why Edmonton lost this series. Yeah, where there's some bad goals, of course. Yeah, where there's some moments where last night, couple of, when they made that comeback and took the 5-4 lead, yeah, one of those goals was right through the 5 hole You'd like to see Mike Smith stop it. But this is just – look, Colorado was better. Simple as that. They were the much uh, deeper team, better team, uh, and they ended up winning that game. And their top players probably played better throughout the large part of that series – uh, in my opinion, compared to uh, Edmonton's. And that was also a huge difference. And again, one last thing about the two Warriors for Edmonton. I commend the Oilers for one thing. Even though they probably figured that it's inevitable we're going to lose this series and we might even get swept. They battled till the end. They were down 5-4 and it looked like they had already blown the game and they came back and somehow they tied it and forced overtime. The guts and the will to keep on competing and trying to fight right till the bitter end was very commendable for Edmonton, and especially for Leon Dreisaitl and for Darnell Nurse. Dreisaitl last night, uh, that's actually in a losing effort. That's one of the most courageous performances I've seen in a very long time. Four points, and you can barely move uh, on the ice, and you're basically hit multiple times during that game, and we can visibly see it that he's got to basically just will himself off the ice with all the pain he's going through, you know, limp his way back to the bench. How many camera shots did we see of Leon Dreisaitl bent over sitting on the bench because the pain was just so severe. And here he is going back out on the ice for the next shift and doing everything he can to try to keep his team alive. Unbelievable guts and courage and heart and grit and and just you know, imperable imparable, Toler- pain tolerance, pain threshold, all that shit, unbelievable for Drysdale. And same with the Darnell Nurse, my fellow Hamiltonian. I know people are going to bitch and moan. Ah, he sucked in this series. He was no good. He struck. He had a horrible game too. I get that. I totally agree with that. But how would you play with a fucking torn hip flexor, huh? How? Explain. Hello. How explain? Hello. No, you can't explain. Uh, it's it's an incredible pain. Uh, The fact he's even playing and out there on the ice is insane, in my opinion, but incredibly remarkable, and he did everything he could. Uh, So definitely I'm looking at a situation here where uh, I I just give Nurse and Dreisaitl all the credit in the world for playing through the the pain uh, and the uh, severe injuries they were dealing with uh, throughout that series. Uh, Alex, uh, final thoughts on the uh, Avalanche sweeping their way to the Stanley Cup final.
1: Yeah, I mean, Colorado finally getting over the hump and, and finally getting back to the Stanley Cup final first time since 2001, which is crazy. I rem- remember those days with Patrick Wadge, Osaka, and Forsberg and company. And, you know, this team, they've got a lot of the, the flashes of that as, as far as the offense goes. I mean, like you said, Kale McCarr has become – and it was, it was a great quote by Kevin BX. He says, I don't want to hear everybody calling McCarr an, an offensive defenseman anymore. He's a complete defenseman. And he really showed that in this series, yep. playing playing a great two-way game for all four games, uh, and, and throughout this postseason and, and he's emerged as a is a huge star. I'm thrilled personally because I have a plus five fifty ticket for him to win the con Smythe. And I know as great as McKinnon's been, but uh, you know, it seems like the game really has tried to push McCarr a little bit more. You know, the, the league itself has, has kind of pushed him to, you know, they've made him a little, a little bit more noticeable. You hear his name thrown out a lot. So maybe that, you know, lends some credence if if they find a way to win the win this next series. But uh it just like I said, hats off to Pablo François for the way he stepped in. And, yeah, he looked a little shaky last night. But, like you said, it was a full-on effort from Edmonton. It was, a, a, you know, if you can have it, an admirable loss, this is definitely it. This is the way you go out. If you're down 3 nothing and you end up losing, getting swept, this is the way you want to go out. You don't want to go out in your home crowd and get blown out 7 nothing or 8 Uh, You know, you fight to the end, and that's exactly what they did. And like you said, there should be no slander whatsoever right now on Darnell Nurse's name. The fact that he played all three series with a torn hip flexor, that is insane pain. And, and the fact that, you know, being a defenseman, you're skating longer minutes to to, to the wherewithal of that. It, it's it's just a, an incredible feat for him. But at the same time, it's also what I said last night in the back cast. At some point, you have to realize that your guys, as good as they are and as important as they are to your club, if they're not, you know, even 50% healthy or, or the injury is, is is debilitating them so much to where they're not playing their position the way that you know they can, you have to bench them. It, it's simple as that. And I, I think that was the case with with him. And, and even you said the same for dry side, even though he had four assists last night, but those guys getting beat up and banged up at some point, they they hurt you more than help you. And I think that's that's got a lot to do with it, as, as well as they played with the the situations they've dealt with. At some point, you have to have fresh bodies in there. That that's the reason you have depth players. That's the reason why you know. And, and when we talked about how Edmonton had bolstered the depth, they still had McDavid, they still had Hyman. Those guys were chipping in. They should have been able to to manage things a little bit better. And and maybe maybe you rest those guys, you know, in, in one of the earlier series, and, and they'd be a little fresher for this. You know, you could we're gonna throw out a million what ifs now because they're they're done, but. Uh, I just think that's something that you know teams have to really look at moving forward. We always commend these guys for what they played through during the postseason every year. You know, we see the list of injuries that come out whenever teams get eliminated. At some point in time, you have to realize, hey, like no matter how valuable they are, if they're that hurt, they're not really going to help the team. And then you look long term. You know, M- Nurse has this gigantic contract. Is he going to be fully healthy and ready for for next season? You know, these guys. You know, the, the, the things linger on, and then all of a sudden you get off to a slow start the next season. You know, and, and now you've put yourself in, a, in a, a, a vulnerable situation all because you guys are getting crushed for nothing in, in the last round of the playoffs. And you probably should have rested them knowing that things weren't going to come to an ahead anyway. So those are questions that they have to ask themselves during the offseason, obviously. But kudos to the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, they showed the crowd out in Denver. They're just absolutely rocking and rolling. And uh, It's going to be a fun series whoever they play out of the East. Uh, this is a, a fun Colorado team to watch. They've been great all year. And uh, they deserve to win the West.
0: No, absolutely. You know, the one guy that could have, I don't want to say made it. They're not winning the series just because this guy, if he had played better, they you know—they still would have lost to Colorado. I'm just saying they maybe avoid the sweep. They win at least a game or two. If he had given them something, anything offensively in this series, and that's, yes, a arvey you know, helmet head, uh, as I call him. You know, it's just, you know, get that damn helmet on properly. My overtime man. pick, Ian. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> I remember. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was definitely taking a shot. <laughs> uh, that one, uh, yes, a bully Harvey to a uh, score in overtime. Uh, look, he just, he had chances. He did, you know, in, in a few games in this series, but at the end of the day, they don't, you know, you don't win a series based on scoring chances. You win a series based on putting the puck in the net, putting the biscuit in the basket. And he was just unable to do that. And, and he was one of those people you count on, you know, other than you, the usual, especially on a night where you had no Evander Kane and you had no Kyler Yamamoto. And both of those guys were out last night. That was a night where you need something from Yessa, yeah, uh, arvey and didn't give you anything. One shot on goal, no points. In fact, four straight games, in the, four, four games in this series, no points, and only three shots on goal. That's not good enough. And now you got to evaluate, what are you going to do with him now uh, moving forward? Because obviously he's one of the guys you have to look to to step up when you had who you had out last night, and Yamamoto and Kane. It can't be all or McDavid, Hyman. Uh, and all the time, hell, Nugent Hopkins even contributed. You know, I've even got to give him credit. He stepped up with a big breakaway goal off a turnover. He tried to help the uh, cause for the Oilers. Got nothing out of Pulleyarvi, none, zero, and the whole series pointless uh, for him uh, in four games. So that was big. But they didn't get anything from him offensively. Andrew, uh, thoughts on the series?
2: Well, I mean, there's not much to say. You guys did a great job. Um I, I think that uh, you know. I- is a a very admiral loss, you know. As kind of like what Alex said, and you and you were saying too. Ian, they went out with pride, the Oilers. You know, I think one thing that I'll mention about Colorado is just the fact that you know they they proved that. I mean, who scores the game winner? It was it McKinnon, McCarr. Wasn't it Chuskin, Rantanen, Landeskog, McKinnon? Did I say McKinnon again? No, it wasn't him. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it was Arturi And So, I mean, to me, the guy that scored the game winning goal. It that really defines what the whole series was. You guys get with me on that? I mean, you know, Pugliav wasn't scoring it. Ian just talked about him. <laughs> Nugent Hopkins scored one yesterday, but in crunch time, you're going to rely on him. You know, there's just, there's a handful of people you can rely on for Colorado and maybe three people you could count on for Edmonton. And that's really, that was really the difference, you know? Um Every game, and then and and realistically, the discrepancy in the blue line—I thought that was the biggest difference. Yeah, and like, yeah, of course, big time. And like, you know, I think back to the Canadians, you know, because I was so excited last year during their run. But I'm not going to bullshit anybody. I mean, Shea Weber, Edmondson, those guys are great defensemen, but having you know a top goalie in the world, Carey Price, back there—if you're going to be outclassed with the players on the ice, you better have the better goaltender. And obviously with Smith, I mean, I defended him a lot, but there's only so much defending you can do when the guy freaks out. I mean, Ian and I talked about it on the Betcast When I jumped on last night, you allow one goal and you're still up one and he starts losing his mind. Ian saw, I think you saw my tweet. You liked it. Ian, on Twitter, I use that, uh, the new meditation logo or emoji, yeah. Alex. You ever see that? I said no, Mike, Smith, that. Mike Smith needs to meditate. It's like this person, yes. like with their, like just like <laughs> it's a really funny emoji. I was like, in the off season, if Mike Smith plans to play one more year, he should just meditate the whole the whole summer because right. he, he, he threw his stick across the ice after one goal. Yeah. I mean, as far as I know, I have two close friends that were goalies. They said the biggest thing you got to do is keep your cool. Mike Smith is like the exact opposite of that. Like he just gets so mad. Uh so look, I mean, uh, I was wrong about the plus two and a half. Uh yep. happy enough to get the six and a half over and in game five and a half over. But um gonna be interesting to see how much uh rest Colorado gets and and you know if it's a good or a bad thing for them. But I think I said yesterday on the show, and I'll say it again real quick sometimes the favorite that start the season off is the favorite for a reason. And we're seeing that here. And honestly, it's a really cool storyline, guys. If I work for a website, like it's just media stuff, you can't call it David versus Goliath, but it's kind of like the new generational team looking at if Tampa Bay does that they're still down one, but if Tampa Bay moves on, I just think the headline is cool because everyone's going to end up cheering for the team that was the favorite all year to knock off the team that won back to back. Yeah, you know, It'll be a real, you know what I mean? It's going to be a real, because yeah. like usually you cheer against the favorite, right? But yeah. this year it'll be like, nah, everyone's cheering for the favorite to knock off the back-to-back champions. So I think it's it, it's good to see that to stuff that, like, it's kind of like with the Warriors, like when, the, when LeBron went back to Cleveland, a lot of people love to cheer against LeBron. But even in that matchup, people were cheering for the, the Cavs to knock off the Warriors just because it was like, you know, let's, let's have somebody else win. Yeah, exactly.
0: Just, just, just sick of Golden State, like maybe some people are sick of Tampa now after two back to back Stanley Cups. Although they really haven't won a true, I don't want to say a true Stanley Cup, but like a, a regular 82 game season back to the old schedule format, you know, schedule alignment like it is this year where the Atlantic Division. Oh, no. Pacific Ian's calling him Mickey Mouse Championships. <laughs> I was about
1: talking. to say, and you know what? No, it, yeah. it's funny you mentioned that because I, I thought about that the other day and I'm like, man. I'm that not, I'm not taking,
0: a, I'm not taking any shine off their two championships, right. but, but People this is the first regular, you know, standardized NHL season start to finish for them during this run. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's a good point.
0: But they earned it. No, they earned the last two. And you and and what they did was a hell of an accomplishment. There's no question. Yeah. But they're, now they're doing it with the way the NHL is supposed to be every year. 82 games. You're in your divisions, you're supposed to be, you're playing who you're supposed to be throughout the regular season. So it's just and now you're playing legit true home games, true road games, you know, no, no neutral environments, you know, no uh division alignment changes, no bubbles, nothing like that. Uh it's uh real. Uh, right now for t- that's why if tampa bay wins it this year if they come back beat the rangers and then beat colorado then we're st- it's truly spectacular and they cement 100 fucking percent everything they've done the last three years yeah
1: if, if they come back from where they are right now to win yeah, the, third, the it's the greatest three in sports history plain yeah. and simple
0: yeah it is it is, and and you can no longer. And I'm not even taking. I don't even like to trying to take it away from what they've done the last two years, which is a, a great accomplishment. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only thing I would I'm pointing out is that it's a full regular normalized NHL <laughs> season this year. Where does
2: uh, RV play next year, guys?
0: Yeah, that's going to end up being a, a good question. But I uh, I'll tell you what, his trade first. value his value takes a hit. You know, with the way that per- playoff performance went for him, so, I mean, that was. Uh, conspicuously absent uh, for uh, a good part of it. But, uh, you know, that's an interesting question because you know for sure it ain't going to be in Edmonton again. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up uh, going in the uh, off season, especially when you think of the Oilers cap situation, you know, which I'm going to take a look at right now. You know, they've got some big-time decisions to make uh, going into uh, next year, and it'll be interesting to see uh, how it ends up uh, playing out and transpiring for them. Uh, for sure, because, you know, you're going to have contracts for Dreisaitl in a few years, McDavid in, you know, a few four years, you know, those are things you're going to have to consider. Hyman's obviously locked up long-term. The new just locked up long-term. Evander Kane, you're not going to be able to sign him, we assume, uh, in the offseason. Oh, you don't uh, think
2: so, he's he's back in Edmonton, eh?
0: Yeah, it's going uh, to, it's, it's it depends nice. on how much he enjoys it there, how much he likes the fit there with the team, and it was a great fit.
2: I feel like but, he wants to be on a good team, though. I mean, obviously, the guy needs I feel money. he wants
0: to get paid because of every all the shit that's gone on with him. The guy
2: the needs money, for sure. But, right. I mean, just ask Matthew Kachuk. But I also don't think he wants to play for a bottom feeder, either. No.
1: Who did he, yeah. he play for? Wasn't it
2: Buffalo he played for? He played San, for Jose. Buffalo, right? San Jose.
1: San Jose when they were in all... Buffalo. And yep. Buffalo.
2: Yeah. So, he played for two. He's not. He hasn't really. This is the first time he's played on a good team, isn't it? I mean, San Jose was okay when he was there. But. Yeah, it's, it's always much, an interesting yeah. situation. His whole though. career he's been with bad teams. I mean, he started with Atlanta, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. for a guy that needs money, but he also, like, I'm sure he loved playing with, like, Leon and Connor. I'm sure that was yep. a fun experience for him.
0: Yep. Yeah, it, it, I, and I'm sure he loved it, and it was a great fit. That's the thing. It was yeah. truly a great fit. How much does great fit a team that got, you know, close conference finals and staying there in a good situation uh, supersede the big money contract that you're likely going to get? from someone you know i I think he wants the money to be honest that's just me just from the outside i think he's going after the money regardless of where it is
1: and then of course there's outside factors with his personal life that kind of jump into this situation as well and and him being in alberta there's there was a whole thing that went on you know you can read about that on google but uh yeah so we could see him go somewhere else i don't know but yeah it, it, it obviously it was a good fit for him. I, I, I'd like to see him stay there. Honestly, I think you know the the chemistry that he had with McDavid and those guys was really good. And, and we talk about the depth that they need, and you know, uh, like they can structure his contract in some sort of way where they can you know still stay within the cap, but he gets paid. Then it, it might be a good fit. But I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts with uh, with the Vander
0: Definitely, it'll be interesting to see in the offseason what's going to happen with him and where he's going to end up next season, no question. Uh, I know where I'm going to end up tonight. That's in front of my television set watching Game 4 of the Eastern Conference. That's a good segue right there. Uh, New York Rangers and uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. uh, Series with the Rangers ahead 2-1. to Uh, Tampa Bay minus 175 home favorites. uh, 5.5, still the total. I mean, not a shock. I mean, every game in this series has been 5.5, the only... Uh, game to go uh, over the total was game one, which is the over that I really liked, uh, figuring that it would be a little bit more, you know, bad defense and sloppy play, especially for Tampa, given the long layoff. That was the one that went over. Uh, the last two games have stayed under uh, the total. Game two, barely. Uh, and you could even see, say, game three, barely, but they got there. Uh, that's all that mattered in the end. So we'll see how this one plays out tonight. Um, a lot of people will think, you know what, Tampa Bay at home tonight. They're going to tie this series up. Home teams won every game so far in this series, and that's been a trend with Rangers games in particular, going back to the last round, other than game seven where they won in Carolina. I I agree with that to a certain degree, and Tampa Bay got their game going in game three. There's no denying that. 52 shots on goal. It was dominance at five on five, which we talked about in the recap yesterday. Uh, They earned that win Sunday afternoon. They were the better team at five on five, uh, and if not for Igor Shesterkin, it would have been... Probably a lot. Uh, it would have been four, five, six, two as opposed to three, two. But Shosturkin was incredible once again. Gave the Rangers a chance when they really didn't get much at five on five in terms of even strength. So there is that belief out there. Tampa's got their foot on un- feet wet now. Their feet under them. They got the win. It was their best game. They're starting to figure things out. You know, against this New York Rangers team, and all of that could be very true. But we are coming back to tonight with Tampa again in that same price range. You know, minus one seventy-five. And you think of all that went right for Tampa Bay and how well they played for 60 minutes, especially, as I mentioned, at five on five. And you think to yourself, okay, they dominated the game, but what ended up happening? Life and death to escape with a victory. And they needed Andre Palat's goal with 40 seconds left uh, to get the go ahead goal to make that 3-2 win stand up. I mean, it was still not easy even though territorially and shot-wise and high-danger chances and the expected goals margin was heavily in Tampa's favor in Game 3. I understand all that, but that's all washed away because of Igor Shesterkin and how he can just keep his team in a game, and we saw that, uh, obviously, in Game 3. So my question is, how much better can Tampa Bay play than they did in Game 3? And in Game 3, they barely escaped, you know, 3-2 and needed a last-minute goal in the third period to win that game. How much better can they play? And how much better can the New York Rangers play? And the New York Rangers have the much bigger room for improvement, in my opinion, going into game four tonight. You know, their five-on-five play wasn't good uh, in game three, obviously. They got dominated there. But the one thing that is still going well for the Rangers is their power play. Uh, Continues to produce. Continues to find ways to uh, contribute offensively. And the one thing Tampa Bay's still doing is taking penalties. And Corey Perry, that was a terrible penalty to take. You can't be slashing the goalie. I understand you want to be uh, rattling his cage, you know, frustrating him a little bit, trying to get under his skin, trying to get him, uh, you know, off his up game uh, and not perform as well. But you can't be taking those kind of penalties. And given this red-hot Ranger power play, the opportunities and the Ranger power play almost buried Tampa Bay early in that game because remember it was two nothing Rangers. In Game Three, with two power play goals, you know before Tampa Bay mounted their comeback uh, to win three-two. And this Ranger power play—you go back now to Game, uh, I think three, yes, Game Three uh, of the uh, Carolina series. It's been a phenomenal power play. They have scored in all but one game—one, two, three, five, seven, eight, ten power play goals for the uh, New York Rangers uh, in their last uh, twenty-seven opportunities. Ten for twenty-seven with the power play. Uh, for the New York Rangers. So it is really humming along right now. And the concern is Tampa, again, with the penalties. They've actually been one of the top teams in the playoffs, guys. Tampa Bay, in terms of the penalties, number of penalties they've taken. That does bother me a little bit going into this. As you can tell, uh, if you haven't already been able to tell, I'm kind of leaning to the dog tonight. I am uh, at plus 155 in this game. I just think when I sit back and I look at the scope of the series so far, I see Tampa Bay basically being given, you know, more than a sixty percent chance to. Basically, if you are going to lay a buck seventy-five, it's telling you that they think Tampa Bay's got a, like a sixty percent or greater chance to win this game. I don't know if it's that high of a percentage with the way the Rangers' power plays working. Tampa Bay is taking penalties. We've got a goaltending matchup where Shosturkin is certainly the equal of Vasilevsky. The way he's played this series, I don't know if I'm willing to say, "Hey, minus one seventy-five, better than the Rangers tonight." Are this Tampa Bay Lightning team? I'm certainly not willing to say that. So for me, it will be a a, a modest bet uh, on the Rangers at, at uh, plus one fifty five tonight uh, in this one total. I'm staying out of it because I still think these goalies are too good. You could get maybe a little flurry of goals. You could get a little, you know, penalty parade like you saw in Game Three. And what ended up happening? The game still stayed under, you know, because it's just that's how good these two goaltenders are, especially Shostak who's been just out of this world good. So the total, I don't have a strong thought on. From a prop standpoint, that's really where my focus is tonight. It's going to be some player props. There's a bunch of uh, shots on goal that I'm interested in as far as this game goes tonight. Uh, I'm looking at definitely from a Tampa standpoint, Kucherov starting to get it going. Uh, Andre Palat has been a machine scoring goals at home, points at home. Look at that, I think, as far as lightning props are concerned. I think Perry eventually, as long as he stays out of the damn box, you know, trash the net, but do it by staying out of the box. He's going to find a way maybe to put one in the net at some point. So Corey Perry, is probably a prop I'm interested in for the Rangers. Look, I thought in Tampa that Sabanajad and Kreider were going to get shut down. So let's look at Lafreniere and Heedle and let's look at some other players for Rangers props. But sure enough, who got the two goals for them in game three? Yeah, Sabanajad and Kreider. So much for that crackpot theory for me uh, going into game three thinking that the top players would get shut down with the last line change. It would be tougher for Zibanejad and Kreider, but they're the only guys that scored for the Rangers in game three. So I I wouldn't talk uh, anyone out as Zibanejad, Kreider props, but uh, I'm going to try to go back to the well one more time with uh, Lafreniere and Heedle in particular on that kid line, Uh, but definitely give Zibanejad and Kreider credit. It seems like home or away, they're making an impact right now for the Rangers. So it's definitely what I'm looking at in terms of uh, player props for this game tonight. Alex, I will start with you. Game four, Rangers-Lightning.
1: Yeah, the way I'm approaching this from a betting standpoint is pretty much like I did that game three. I'm, I'm on Tampa Bay first period puck line, laying the half a goal, plus 155. Uh, they were lucky to get away with not having the, the pace controlled in the first period uh, last game. Like I said, it, you know, it was a, a back-and-forth dogfight, and the Rangers had a lead, and the penalties were obviously the, the, the narrative of the story in that game you know, you can't take dumb penalties. I, both teams have to be more disciplined moving forward uh, in, in this series. It's as simple as that. Like I said, the Rangers' power play has been electric. You know the Lightning, uh, you know, can, can, you know, score at will when they get on the on power play. We've seen them, I think, what, three times this postseason we've seen them score, like, within the first 30 seconds of a power play. So, you know, you have to stay out of the box. That's that's imperative for both teams. But, uh, Tampa's got to come out guns blazing in, in this first period. They got to take that momentum from that that last second of the last five minutes of that third period, and they got to play that same way the first five minutes of this first period tonight. Uh, so that's what, what lends to that. With that being said, if it is a close you know, first period, they could still cash it. It could still be 2-1 Tampa after 20 minutes. And I probably would look to do what I did in game in game three. I took the Rangers plus 150 uh, live and actually played a draw no bet. So if that goal doesn't go in with 17 seconds left, I, I come out of there unscathed and, you know, it goes, goes into overtime, I could you know, rebet it or do something else. So from a strategy standpoint, I was probably with how things turned out, you know, at least getting those good prices live, but, you know, didn't cash it in, of course. But uh, that's the way I'm going to attack this here. If if I see Tampa, you know, without energy in, in that first period, or even if they, you know, like I said, come out with a one nothing lead or a 2-1 lead, but, but the Rangers are still fighting back, battling hard, I'll look to try to get a you know Rangers live and maybe even an under live. Uh, except you know get get a couple of goals and you see a six and a half or seven, you know that these teams are gonna you know make adjustments in the second and third periods. They're gonna try to slow things down. So uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind laying a dollar fifty to get six and a half if I see where okay even though it's a one nothing game, we know things are gonna are gonna you know screech to a halt and we're not gonna see seven goals. Uh, total the, the rest of that way. So so this is definitely more of a live game for me, but, but I already am on Tampa first period puck line. If they want to win this game, they have to come out red hot, I think, in the first 10, 15 minutes of that first period.
0: Yeah, first period uh, puck line here, minus a half plus uh, at a nice plus price. Probably around the same price it was, I remember, taking I got, it. In game I got 155. Three.
1: Yeah. I had 160 in game three, but yep. today was 155.
0: Yeah, so around that same price range, minus a half, plus 155. I don't hate that. Actually, I think if you like Tampa, the first period's a better – a uh, place to focus uh, is early in that game. Uh, yeah, shots on goal, a lot of good chat. And, and, you know, that's what I like about the chat. They always, you know, they're passing around ideas and thoughts and what they're looking at betting. And uh, I think from a shots on goal standpoint, because I think in the playoffs, especially in a game like this with two elite goalies, you want to back up your player prop opinions on the goal score and the points market with the shots on goals as well, just in case, you know, these goalies are just, you know, standing on their head because you don't want to lose your goal score prop your points prop then say oh man if i had taken the shots on goal at least it would have won you know because you, you are going to get both goalies you know that are outstanding right now so i think stamp goes kucherov a for me those are three guys for shots on goal i think for tampa stand out to me uh for the new york rangers savannah jads firing the puck a lot you know consider that uh, as well in terms of shots on goal and i think even with hedel with his confidence You can get an undervalued maybe look toward his shots on goal props, depending on whether the books, uh, all books post them. But those are definitely what I'd be looking at in terms of uh, shots on goal. Again, though, too with the uh, going into this game, it's important to point out with the Ranger why I think there's value in the price. That's what that's what I'm betting here more than anything. The price. You know, I just think plus one fifty-five's a lot to be giving uh, the New York Rangers at the moment with what we're seeing. uh, transpire here uh, in this series you know and when you look at it as far as the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning are concerned you know their even strength goal production has really quieted you know the last several games especially in this series a lot of their production as well outside of the game winning goal in game three came on the power play uh, you know as well so you know you've got some legit concerns at times with Tampa Bay's five on five even strength offense which again in terms of chances and expected goals it was there in game 3 but ultimately goals in the back of the net you know it wasn't there until that Pilot goal uh, in the final minutes so i just think this game and this whole series is just a little bit closer than given the rangers plus 155 at least to me it is what do you think andrew game 4 new york tampa bay
2: you know what it's uh it's hard for me just to, it's hard for me not to look towards the under you know i don't know if i could look anywhere else um In a game like last game that was penalty filled with so many power play opportunities, both teams capitalizing, but even more chances than what we saw in two on ones. You know, I could even argue that the later part of that game was, you know, some goals that were hard to stop, but still those goalies want to have back. And that's what's crazy about these goalies is that they make, you know, really, really, really difficult saves look average for them. You know, and I I really think the under five and a half, even though it's been the story, it's been kind of the cliche pick. uh, I feel like it is for a reason. So it's hard for me not to look at that. I do agree that, uh, you know, I think that it's interesting because you look at the first team to score wager and sometimes you can actually get a better deal on that than actually the money line. So if you're not a regulation guy and you like Tampa Bay, you could bet that. But I I share the same thoughts as Alex, where if you like Tampa, I think you want to go first period. Because like I've been saying with these goalies, a one goal lead is like having a two or three goal lead with how strong they are between the pipes. So uh, that's the only place I'm looking right now. But I will say this. 52 shots on goal last game for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, It's hard not to ride the Igor's historic and save prop trend. I looked at Vasilevsky's uh, a couple games ago, but I thought to myself, you know what? Tampa's at home. They're getting the matchups they want. And I think uh, just like you said, Ian, it's, you know, Corey Perry and, and company being a little bit, um, taking those penalties, like goalie interference. I, and then of course, New York, got called for one against Vasilevsky as well. But, you know, I think that the whole point being is they're trying to fire from everywhere possible, which bodes well for shots on goal props, but also bodes well just for the save props for Igor Shostakov. so that's where I'm looking for right now. Uh, if I do anything in game, I'll tweet it out for my Twitter account, but, uh, uh, it's hard for me to look anywhere but the under right now.
0: All right. Liking the under. I wouldn't say no to anybody looking to bet Igor Shosturkin over saves. I loved it in game three. I did take it in game three, and it was about as easy as it, because I really knew in game three, they've got a fire from everywhere. Tampa Bay, uh, you know, that that they not that they're not desperate tonight. They still are. They don't want to go down 3-1. It's bad news if they go down 3-1, but it was obviously catastrophic for them if they went down 3 nothing on Sunday afternoon after game three, and I figured they're throwing everything at the net against Shusterkin, and I really love the Shusterkin oversaves uh in Game 3 on Sunday afternoon. And I certainly might still look in that direction tonight uh, as well in Game 4 uh, that you'll uh, see a lot of rubber. And again, it's probably going to be in that uh, 31.5 range, I would assume. Might even have been bumped up a little bit uh, following that game, but definitely uh, Igor Shusterkin over saves in theory uh, makes sense, and you, you would expect him to be a, a busy goaltender once. Yeah, it's up to 32.5, so they did bump it up by one. Uh, 32 and a half. It was 31 and a half in game three. So uh, Igor Shosturkin over saves. Like I said, no argument there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 52 will get the job done easily. Uh, if he ends up, I hope 40, you know, we'll get there. And you it, know what's crazy, monthly. guys?
2: 52 shots, a lot of shots. But you still could have looked at a couple guys and lost on your on your shots on goal props. Yeah, That's what's kind of bonkers. You yeah. could have taken a few guys over three and a half shots. And if you look at the list, a couple of key guys landed on three. So and, so, and you know, what's cool too, a lot of books actually will offer a prop called just team shots. So if you don't want to look at the goalie saves, you can look at the, just the team shots all together. say, screw one player. I'm just going to take all these guys together for how many per yeah. shots they get.
0: Yeah, absolutely. De- uh, which is good. And that's what uh, Ray Bryce again with another freaking parlay winner last night with the goal score parlays. He had one on the bet cast last Tuesday. Uh, I mean, with the, uh, uh, ranting in and with uh, Kane uh, in the Colorado Edmonton game. He, uh, cr- crazy prices as well. Just uh, uh, he obviously, he knows what to do in terms of live betting. My gosh. A couple of big uh, payouts there. Actually, he might be on the betcast Thursday night. We'll have to wait and see on that. But Joe Madden will be as well. So it's going to be a fun betcast on uh, Thursday night. And we will be there, not for tonight. Tonight we're off, but we will be there for uh, game five uh, Thursday night, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Uh, with the Game 5 bet cast for Lightning Rangers when the scene shifts back to Madison Square Garden and the series that will either be 2-2 tied up or it'll be the Tampa Bay Lightning. And this great run of theirs facing elimination uh, Thursday night. So we'll see what it ends up uh, being. But uh, definitely a a pivotal swing game here in the Eastern Conference Final uh, taking place tonight. Definitely looking forward to that. All right, uh, great stuff. And I like what Cheshire Cat's saying in the chat. I have no argument about that. Because you think if one of them cashes, you make money. Tampa to win by exactly one goal. New York to win by exactly one goal. And you can get a plus, you know, a great plus price on both of them. One of them hits you in profit. So I like that. That's You know, sometimes you have to strategize at playoff time this deep into the playoffs. It's tougher. Teams are tight. You know, lines are tight. So props and doing things a little bit differently. You got to look at it, and I don't mind that the philosophy there. One goal margin victory for both either team, and you're you're profitable.
1: And honestly, this time of year, you know, we haven't seen nearly as many overtimes this postseason like we have in you know in the past. But yep. if you like the draw tonight, I know some people mentioned that in the chat. Play a half unit on the draw, and then put a quarter unit on each team to win by one, and, and, and you you know you smooth sailing uh, once the game goes OT. So.
0: Yeah, no doubt. You could go three and zero. Oh. Or two and oh, I should say. Yeah, really two, Instead two, of two and
1: one, but you're gonna get, but you're yeah. gonna get, you know, at least a full unit uh, back if one either one hits. So
0: exactly because you get the draw and you'll get one of those teams winning by exactly one goal. There's your two and one and there's your big profit. Yeah. You're right.
2: Uh, I forgot to mention actually one prop I talked about earlier today was uh, Zbigni had over 0.5 power play points, which at DraftKings was plus 155. And uh, both teams obviously scored in the power play, but I mean. The Rangers, you know, this is the thing. I've given the Rangers all the credit in the world. I, I've, I've all the people are calling me a hater of the team. This playoffs, I've given them respect. I've eaten my words, but I will say this. That game albeit, it was a comeback game for Tampa. Anyone that falls hockey knows that five on five, it was a much closer game than Tampa being down two nothing. You know, yeah. Corey Perry runs a goaltender and knocks him over. The Academy award winner goes to <laughs> Igor Shestherkin. And all of a sudden it's one nothing New York. I mean, Five on five, Tampa Bay played very well, but I tip my hat to New York's power play because they're, I mean, what an absolute rocket Zabinajed has. It's its a cannon, you know, and, and it's plus one. And that 155. wasn't his first. He's
0: had a bunch of those lately. Yeah. yeah.
2: So plus 155 for him to get a point yeah. on the power play. Not a bad play.
0: Well, especially when you look at the fact now, by the way, just scoring a goal, he has scored a goal in seven of the last eight games for the uh, New York Rangers. Seven of the last eight games, he has scored a goal for the uh, Rangers. And of those seven goals, I'm counting in the last eight games for Mika Zibanejad, I'm counting them up right now. Four of them uh, have been on, or sorry, one, two, three, five of them. Five of the seven goals have been on the power play, which means don't just bet me if Mika Zibanejad had to score a goal any time tonight, maybe look at that power play point or power play. You don't get power play goal props, but right. power play point prop. Right there, five of his seven goals that he scored in the last eight games have been on the power play. So uh, there you go; it tells you that with the man advantage, uh, he's got it going at the moment for the uh, Mika Magic ad, as Chester Cat says. That is true; he's got the magics going right now, uh, no doubt about it, for the uh, New York Rangers. Uh, and a great DJ apparently in Ottawa in his playing days, from what I've heard, DJ Z Bands. Uh, he's playing great music right now for the New York Rangers. Music to the ears of Rangers fans. That shot of his finding the back of the net. That's for sure, repeatedly, as he has here in the playoffs. All right, great stuff. Uh, Thanks to everyone for joining us in the chat. Hit the like button. Uh, We appreciate it uh, on the way out. Uh, And before we uh, wrap it up, we'll do best bets in just a second. A reminder, DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports betting partner of the NHL. Uh, New customers bet just $1 on any NHL team. Get $150 in free bets if they win. If DraftKings Sportsbook isn't available in your state, you can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings app, sign up for an account, use the promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team. Get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL must be 21 years of age or older, uh, must reside in a DraftKings sportsbook state uh, or province. I should be throwing that in now when I do this. Province, because it is in Ontario now, uh, DraftKings, which anybody that watches Canadian television knows that a million times.
2: Are the promos the same, Ian? No, for, is that, they they carry over? Okay.
0: Yeah. So it must must resign to DraftKings Sportsbook, state or province. Again, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Download the DraftKings app. Sign up for an account. Use the promo code THPN. All right. Best bets to wrap it up for this Tuesday edition of the show. Game four, Eastern Conference Final. Alex, what do you like for best bet?
1: Yeah, going with Tampa Bay on the first period puck line. So laying a half a goal at plus 155. Uh, like I said, Tampa's got to come out hot. they got to keep that momentum rolling from the way they won game three into game four. You cannot let the Rangers uh, dictate the pace in your home barn and, and possibly you know, leave out of there with a with 3-1 series lead going back to the MSG. So uh, if Tampa's going to win this game, they got to come out red hot in the first 20 minutes, and I think we'll see them at least have a lead uh, heading into the second period. So I'm going with the Tampa Bay Lightning on the first period puck line, plus 155 is my best bet.
0: All right, Tampa Bay Lightning, minus a half, plus 155. First period uh, for Alex B. Smith, his best bet. All right, Andrew, best bet.
2: I'm riding the under. I'm going to continue with this under here. I think that uh, you know we saw kind of the game open up. A lot of it was due to power plays and stuff like that, two-on-ones and things like that. But even though we've already seen a defensive series, I expect it to be even more defensive today. Wouldn't shock me to see a 2-1 finish to this game here tonight. Give me under five and a half.
0: All right, there it is. Tampa, Tampa Bay, New York Rangers under five and a half, around minus one thirty for Andrew with his uh, best bet. Uh, my best bet is uh, for this game tonight. Uh, I think I'm going to go player prop. I like the Rangers, but it's uh, a modest opinion uh, at the plus one fifty five. So uh, I'm going to end up going with a player prop. And uh, look, I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to go with uh, uh, I'm going to go with the and uh, that that power play point is just better value. I think if there's a really good chance of him scoring. It's going to be with the power play. Five of his last seven have come with the man advantage. Got a power play goal, obviously, in game three. Uh, and again, it's a nice plus 155 price you're getting with him to get a power play point. So I like that one. Great value. It makes sense. Five of his last seven have been with the man advantage. Mika's advantage had, uh over uh, to get a power play point plus 155 uh, for my best bet. Uh, very frustrating to not get Calm for home last night because Colorado with uh, a bunch of goals and he didn't factor in on any of them from a point perspective. Yeah. Uh, but it goes that way sometimes. It is what it is. All right. That's a wrap. Thanks to everyone for joining us. Hit the like button uh, on the way out. We will have a show tomorrow because we already had a guest book tomorrow. So it'll be one of those short shows, even though there's no game tomorrow. It'll be just talk to the guest, talk, shoot the shit about their hockey past and uh talk a little about the conference finals it'll be a nice and quick show tomorrow uh, on the uh, ice guys so looking forward to that and then of course thursday we've got our double uh shift of shows with nate repensky's our guest on thursday at 2 p.m eastern and then we'll also have uh the betcast thursday night 8 p.m eastern send me a dm if you want to join us uh we'll have uh, a good group coming up on uh, thursday night looking forward to that game five betcast with the rangers hosting the lightning all right great stuff for alex b smith for andrew mcginnis i'm ian cameron have a great tuesday night enjoy game four of the eastern conference final and good luck with all your wagers we'll see you again tomorrow on wednesday for another edition of the ice guys presented by the hockey podcast network